Hello, listeners. Welcome to the next session. An advice podcast for game masters who are seeking help with their next game session. I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. We're so, the Johnses. The, jo- the Johnses. We're the Johns family. Yeah. I know you don't like that. Johnses. Johnses. That's, but that's just how it's. I, I don't like how it's written. I don't mind. I don't mind saying it because you have to put an es in there. Right. Yeah. It's proper. Whatever. English. <laughs> stupid English with its rules. English is stupid. I agree. Yeah. I don't know any other language enough to get by though. It's Other than true. maybe sign language, because I can fingerspell everything. That's, but that's just that part of it is just English. Deaf, deaf people it has hate all this the same, one trick. It has all the same problems as English, which is all the stupid spelling problems. Yeah. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Agreed. You know what? Touche. Touchy. <laughs> you know what? Touchy. You know what? Touchy. <laughs> As they say a French word. <laughs> All a, right. Let's, as they say in French, touchy. Touchy. <laughs> Tucci. Um, what's his face? Tucci. Yeah, Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. Come on the podcast, Stanley. Anytime. <laughs> you know, due to the French connection. Yes. Hey, let's, uh, <laughs> let's start let's, the podcast. Let's do that. Let's start it. All right. This next session help comes from Dancing with a Mop. Oh, Dancing with a Mop. That's that's very nice, actually. Dancing with a Mop. It feels like the thing that would be in like a Pixar film. Yeah. I mean, I like to dance with my mop when I'm mopping. Do you? Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen you do that. Well, we now switch to this um, electric mop, so it's hard to dance with. Oh, you, kinda, got, it goes you have to rawr. put on some techno to dance to <laughs> dance with an electric mop. With a robot? Yeah. <laughs> do electric mops dream in techno? Yeah. You can't do the boogie with a with an electric mop. You have to do the electric boogie. Boogie, 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 boogie. <laughs> All right. Dancing with the mop says, is this a good way to start a campaign? Uh, yes. I don't know. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's the question. <laughs> they go on. The players start out in a wagon shackled to the bottom. Supposedly, they were each arrested and going to stand trial. If they stay in the wagon, they go to prison, and it's a prison break scenario. If they do the break, they fight the guards and find the nearest town where they will find out about a major election about to take place in the capital. Those who do not vote are punished, and most are trying to run away. The choice for the players is to get to the capital and vote or disrupt the election or run from the country. I've been planning this campaign for a bit, but I'm not so happy with the start. Any tips? Huh. Well, I'm I'm all for, I think the, the setup scenario is potentially really fun. Like, I assume they're shackled to the floor of the cart and not underneath the cart. Yes, the floor <laughs> of the wagon. Yeah. <laughs> I like it as well, um, mostly because if you have a group of players who have not played with each other, or you're trying to start this group and the characters all don't really know each other or know why they would adventure with each other. This is a fantastic way to be like, how did you end up here? How did you end up here? And like you start going around the table and you can find out a little bit of your backstories and what ended up that you're all happen to be in this wagon at the same time. Go. Yeah. I think maybe the the part that I might be hesitant on is pushing them all into you all did this this one thing and that's why you're being arrested um, unless that one thing is a thing that shouldn't be illegal like like you're setting up this idea that you're not allowed to vote you're you're you that's illegal um, and you're not allowed to run away and and you can't escape the town so you could set up that's what they were doing they were just trying to leave the town and they were arrested for that or something along those lines oh I was thinking more like they were all jaywalking. 
and they like right. the mayor's on like a, a minor push. offense. Or the mayor's something. on a push with jaywalking and hates it, and so right. round up anyone you see jaywalking. I think that's okay. Um, I think I just wouldn't necessarily push them into like all of you robbed a bank oh, or right. something like that because well, that presumes then you know a, a setup. Or if I was going to do that, I would tell all the players ahead of time. This whole campaign presumes that you are all sort of uh, in, in, in one way or another you are you are criminals and you're getting together. I was thinking it was all different reasons why they were all picked up. Which I think would be fine, yeah. Yeah, and then that you could talk about what happened that you're all here. Right. Whether it be you are a criminal or not or maybe you are a thief just trying to get bread right. via Aladdin or... Um, Especially once you've uh, established for the players that like it can be something ridiculous that you shouldn't normally be arrested for. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great way to, to jump into that, right? I was going to say via Aladdin or uh, Les Miserables. Les, Mis- Les Miserables, <laughs> since we're mis- mispronouncing yeah. French words. <laughs> I had to intentionally go in my brain and go, nope, that's not right. I personally would think that this whole town political voting system thing, that could be pushed off to a later campaign. I yeah. Think what is the most interesting to me is this prison break scenario, and now they are criminals if they're not getting um, exonerated later. They are mm-hmm. criminals, or maybe they have to find out how to ex- be exonerated, or maybe they do have to run from the law, and suddenly they can't go to that town anymore. What do we do? Find rumors for adventuring. Like, we need money. Let's continue on. And they don't have to necessarily do this next town where if they're – prison break and criminals and trying to lay low, they wouldn't necessarily throw themselves into this political thicket. Hmm. I think I kind of agree with that. I feel like the two concepts are not in conjunction with one another. And I also suspect that like, I mean, I don't know what the scenario is for the world building for the town, but it doesn't actually seem like it would be that hard to run away. I think that would be a difficult thing to sort of reinforce for the players to make that an, an interesting obstacle in the path of it, especially under the idea, it'd be one thing if they had some secret knowledge that they would be using to disrupt this whole thing or to undermine this this political thing. But at some point, you, you'd have to question, okay, maybe it's illegal to run away and not you know, illegally vote in this election because we don't want to lose citizens. But how far are we going to chase you know, right. four votes that don't really count and we can just make up anyway? Right. You know, there's a, there's a point at which in the corruption of the system... It doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense to spend a lot of resources chasing down these four party members just because they want to leave. Unless you are using them as like a Machiavellian example. Right. Or This is what happens if you leave. Or you're pinning a crime on them or, you know, a really major crime and, and you need to demonstrate it. Yeah. Like, I feel like you need a little bit more there to to make that make sense. I also think that you run the risk that your players will go to prison and want to stand trial. And now you have a lawyer situation on your hand. You got a courtroom. Yeah, we've talked about this in the past. Yeah, I don't want to do it. Adam wants to do it. It's it's tough. It's tough to make that scenario interesting. And it's way harder to do at the beginning of a campaign where no one has established character goals or or character personalities. And there's no combat involved in that. And so you are... You are just a part of it. Now, you could set up the idea that, like, there won't really be a trial. 
Yes, this, it's you are put away for life yeah. or for to death. Or even the trial is just for show. The, you're, you're not even going to get to talk during the trial. You, you know? don't even get taken out of prison. Yeah, they're literally going to parade you in front of everybody and then and then you know vote to put you to death and then put you to death right there. Um, and somebody in the prison could give you that information. Yes. And then it's a prison break more than it is anything else. There is something to be said for like if you're playing kind of a political campaign – which it sounds like you're that's what dancing with a mop is setting up here um then letting them escape from this town only to be then caught up in the politics of another town because they've escaped is also maybe an interesting play to to play up here like maybe there's another kingdom that's right next door that's basically like we don't like what that kingdom is doing and we want to stop them but we need evidence before we can like storm in, otherwise the other neighboring kingdoms are going to be really upset with us. So we need we need you to go back and get evidence of the stuff that you have seen, uh, which also could be really really interesting and fun. Like you're not representatives of our kingdom. Technically, you're not you're not citizens of any kingdom, which gives the the neighboring kingdoms the rights to like detain you or send you back or whatever it is that they want to do. So there could be like a sort of you're a pawn in a bigger game kind of kind of scenario here um, where you keep getting kind of tossed back and forth between these these things where maybe everybody has nefarious um, motivations for it maybe the oh maybe the neighboring kingdom only wants to invade because the kingdom that you came from has like a huge store of uh, I mean, they have a gold mine or a diamond mine or something and that's really the reason you know they're not trying to save the citizens either um, Oof, this, this is getting too complicated for me but but that could be that could be fun and it sounds like dancing with a mop, um, already the the plot that they already have designed is this political intrigue plot, um, and the part that they're iffy about is the start. Now, I think the start is super fun, but I think I agree with you that there's some incongruencies with how it's going to line up, specifically in where where do you want the players to make a choice. So if the start is like you're being arrested, you're on your way to the gallows. Um, that's that's what you've got here. That's great. Take away the choice um, from the players on what they want to do with that or make it make it just a really, really clear choice. Your choice is you can overthrow this government who is going to kill you or you can run away from the government who is going to kill you. You, 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 you know, you can't cooperate with them. There's nothing else remaining. Those are your options. And that ultimately from the you know, behind this behind the DM screen side, that's not really a choice. There's no, there's no choice here. You're going to overthrow this government. If you try to run away from the government, it will result in you running into another government who then <laughs> forces you to go in and try to yeah. overthrow this government. I mean, the thing is, is that this major election taking place in the Capitol, vote are punished, all of that jazz, that's a different town than the current one they're being arrested oh, in. Oh, I didn't follow that. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. It says, if they do the prison break, they fight the guards and then find the nearest town where they find out about a major election, yada yada yada. Well, I, I got the feeling like it's it's in the, it's all the same place. The major election is like for the kingdom or whatever. The town is just a uh, single town in the kingdom, and so is the prison is also a, the prison inside of that kingdom. Okay, that's that was my understanding. So maybe the major but, election is happening everywhere. But you could be right, especially if it was like a mayor of a town or something like that. Yeah, that that was just my read on it. Yeah. Either way, it's a, it, it feels a little disconnected. We, we do get into, you know, a lot of campaigns get into this political intrigue idea, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think those can be really interesting. I mean, if you look at, like, um, Game of Thrones and, and stuff like that, that's all political intrigue. 
which gets into just a very interesting place in a campaign. Um, I'm not opposed to that, and I have run many political intrigue campaigns. It really requires your players to be wanting a political political intrigue campaign, right? Um, And sometimes that's just a, a an easy question to ask them, like. What I'd like to do is I'd like to run a political intrigue campaign where you're sort of, you know, in between politics of, of kingdoms. In between factions. Yeah. Um, and and uh, the fun of that often is you not actually deciding what the right choice is or what the choice of that, that your players may ultimately end up making. It, it is in leaving that open and saying, like, the world will be shaped by your choices because if you, you know, team up with this faction, this is sort of the outcome that might happen from that. And if you team up with this faction, if you team up with nobody, you know, here's the outcome that might happen with that. And that that can be a really fun uh, way to play some of that out. But it does require that your players are, like, paying attention to the world yeah. and and paying attention to, you know, who's who's angry at who in the, in the greater landscape of things and not just, I want to get a powerful magic item for my character and then go on a you know, path of revenge to kill all the evil wizards or whatever. <laughs> but assuming you have that dancing with a mop, I do think you have good groundwork on the start of this. Good bones. Yeah, there's good bones here. Um, and I do love a good prison break or a good, like, break out of shackles scenario. is so much fun to set up um, because it's really just like, you are in shackles, what do you do? Like, it's really just like <laughs> yeah. an open-ended... And then you're like, I, I pull real hard. And you're like, you're a wizard. That's not going to work. Um, but maybe the barbarian could pull real hard. <laughs> um, you just kind of have a lot of opportunity to really like lean on each other's strengths kind of kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah. There you go, Dancing with the Mop. I there think there was some go. advice in there somewhere. I think so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um, moving on to Ask a GM. Hey. This comes from Buddha News. Buddha news. For all your Buddha needs. For all your Buddha Buddha needs around the world. <laughs> Coming at you live with Buddha news. Coming at you. <laughs> Sky's great. Flowers are beautiful. Yeah. Stay zen. <laughs> I like Buddha news. <laughs> Buddha news says, so my players want me to run a dungeon crawl. This is a little change of pace for me as I tend to run about 80% role playing and 20% combat. Dungeon crawls have always seemed like a little bit of a waste of time to me, but I finally have a chance to tell a story through the dungeon and the enemies in it, and I want to seize that opportunity. But every time I have tried to run a dungeon crawl in the past, I have always had problems with keeping things moving and keeping my players engaged. My main question is this. Are you supposed to stay in initiative the whole time? Like, if not, how do you handle your players moving and discovering stuff in the room? Like... If my players get into a room and I describe it are and there are traps in it or objects of interest or whatever, how do I handle that if they aren't in initiative? Because I feel like when they are in initiative, the dungeon crawl basically ends up moving at a snail's pace as some players sit around while others do all the work. So I want to be out of initiative, but without my players showing exactly where they move, traps seem a little hard to use. And it seems that having all of them move at once might cause issues with triggering traps or other obstacles. Do you have any other tips and tricks on running dungeon crawls? Um, it would be greatly appreciated as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I love a good dungeon crawl. Dungeon um, crawl. It, it is a, a real break from the regular way that I play a lot of campaigns. Like, 
in in the reality, most of the time when I'm doing a dungeon crawl, it is a lot of combat and puzzles and very little role play. And I might provide opportunities for the players to role play with each other. Um, maybe there's a you know a single NPC or something like that 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 comes up acor- across the course of the dungeon crawl or something. But it is um, a lot of fun to do because it's just sort of back to back action. I find the easiest way to think about a dungeon crawl is actually by room as opposed to by like initiative. Um, in a lot of this depends on how you want to set up your dungeon crawl. So I think of dungeon crawl as being set up in one of two ways. Either you're doing a like roll 20 esque map where everybody has the opportunity to move their own token and you could do that in person. You know, everybody's got, um, you've got a map drawn out and everybody has a chance to move their token in person or you do it online through something like roll 20 or a similar platform, or you are doing a, uh, mud style text adventure. Mud. Okay. So that means that the MUD stands for multi-user dungeon. They were a style of text adventure game that, that had multiple users all playing at once in this sort of um, uh, each time you move into a room here to let me describe what's in this room uh, kind of thing. And the reason that I think about the, the dungeon crawl in that second way is because that is more like saying, okay, do you want to go into the room to your left or do you want to go into the room to your right? And the the difference that that makes as opposed to sort of the individual movement for your characters is now you are in the room to your left um, rather than like one person has moved a little bit. Now another person has moved a little bit. Now another person has moved into that room. So being able to designate it by room then means that your traps are all room traps. Your combats are all room combats. Um, it does put interesting constraints on what you might do in your dungeon crawl, but it means that you can plan out all of your dungeon crawl by room. There are now 15 rooms in your dungeon. Let's just plan out, you know, interesting ideas for each of those rooms. And and when the players move, they all move together into the next room, or they make an intentional choice to split up into two separate rooms. But now you're saying, okay, you guys have cleared out this room. Where do you want to go next? Do you want to go to the room to your left or the room to, or the room straight ahead of you? But how does that work with initiative? Um, so that's a great question. I there there are multiple ways to do this. Just to be really clear, clear when I'm doing it in that style, what I do is I have initiative. I usually roll initiative at the beginning of the dungeon and then don't roll it again. And the players are just going to act in that order. Um, the monsters continue to roll initiative. Uh, and I put them in between the players or I put them after the players or wherever wherever they need to go. Um, and then I have the players, you know, you move into the next room, oh, it's a combat, bam, here you're in combat again, let's fight some monsters. Um, great, you've defeated all the monsters, you are now out of initiative. Where do you, What do you guys want to do? Do you want to continue to explore this room or do you want to move on to the next room? So everything is is determined by the room, not by do you want to move six tiles to the east down a hallway um, that the hallway just becomes another room uh, if there's anything to do in the hallway. And if there's nothing to do in the hallway, then I say, there's a hallway, you walk down it. Do you want to go to the room to the room to your left or to the room to your right? Everything is always designated by rooms. Um, it helps with my simplicity in, in being able to run the game. It helps keep everybody together because I'm asking the whole group a question, which room do you want to move into? Um, and it provides the opportunity to... to um, uh, the, the, it provides the framework 
so that everybody understands, oh, what we're doing is we're moving into the next room. Plus, it can be done in theater, theater of the mind. You don't necessarily need the map, although I still think a map is helpful. Oh, yeah. I was just imagining you saying, um, you go down the hallway. Do you want to go to the room to your right or the room to your right or the room to your right Yeah. or the room to your right? Turns out the hallway's a roundabout. Yeah. It's, you just it's, keep it's, walking it's, around. It's, and it's all the same room. <laughs> You're no, just no. walking around the same room. No, it's like five different rooms. Oh, yeah. But you, you just, the room to your right? Yeah. Or the room to your right? <laughs> this door looks like the one you just came out of. Or the room to your right? Well, now what you're talking about running is a labyrinth. Yes. <laughs> um, ultimately, uh, I do like the other style as well, where everybody has a token and they're all sort of moving through. The way I do that when I'm running that kind of dungeon is that I say, you're out of combat now. You can move your tokens individually. However, only move your tokens as many spaces as you can move. And if somebody triggers something or wants to do something, everybody pauses. And then we, we resolve whatever it is, and then we go back to everybody moving together. So if somebody's like, I want to search this room, I go, great, everybody pause. You search the room. You roll your dice, we see what you discover, blah, blah, blah. Then we go, great, you're out of initiative again. Everybody can move again. Um, so if you wanna if you wanna go, I, I wanna look down this hallway, and I go, okay, great, let's let's roll some dice, or go ahead and start moving your, your token and I'll let you know if you run into something. <laughs> um, however, I still feel like the room methodology really keeps it moving a lot faster. Um, the other, the advantage to doing it that in that particular way, where everybody's kind of moving their own token, is you do feel a little bit more like, like a little more independent freedom to to move around to discover on your own, and it does provide the opportunity to do things like hilariously trigger traps again and again and stuff like that, which we've had in in dungeons before. I wonder if there's a way you could incorporate um, the game Betrayal in the House. Of Haunted Hill. Oh, yeah, yeah, the tiles. Yeah, because you have room tiles, and then maybe every time you come across a tile with an item, you get an item, mm -hmm. or a tile with an omen, you fight something. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, lots of people have done more or less dungeon crawls where you have a map, but you haven't, you haven't officially determined what's in each room, and you have... Either you're going to make that up on the fly, or you're going to have, like, a table you yeah, roll, like on, roll on, a table. or... You know, now you come into this next room. Okay, I roll. Here's what you see in this next room, and that you kind of do things that way, um, which can be fun. I'm 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 all for all these different methodologies for dungeon call. They all they all have their sort of own advantages and disadvantages. It's like the labyrinth game we've been playing, mm -hmm. um, where you you don't go backwards, but um, if you get to advance, then you roll from that page forward and then you find out what scenario you do mm -hmm. and if you don't get to advance you just roll from the same number you're at which is kind of interesting i will say i also am not a huge fan of just keep everybody in initiative for the whole thing yeah. and like um it does make for very slow gameplay and the only time i ever do that is there has to be basically something at every turn at every you know you're fighting someone now you're doing a trap you're doing like literally every there's never a time where somebody is like we're just moving down a hallway and there's nothing there um, or or where there's secret stuff for a long period of time that you just don't discover because then, you know, once again, the play turns into like, all right, I moved, you move. All right, now you move. Now I move again. And that's just not very interesting kind of play dynamics. Mm. Um, and it is okay. This is, again, where you can, as the game master, 
you could make some determinations to say, look, I've got a lot of stuff going on over here. <laughs> I've already planned this out. You know, the stuff in every room, we're going to keep you an initiative. But then there's kind of a big section over here where there's nothing going on. We're just going to break you guys out of initiative. Or I'm just going to fast track you. There's nothing in this hallway. Um, so for the interest of time, you guys all make your way down the hallway. You make it <laughs> down the hallway. You make it down the hallway. Like there's nothing here. I mean, you could give some flavor. You'd be like, the hallway looks like it twists and turns. Right, exactly. But it actually comes out the same. I, I give some story flavor, but I advance the actual play of the game up to the next interesting section, which, you know, more or less is what you do when you're going to travel down a road or a path or something like that. You're traveling for two days. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not going to have you move uh uh, six seconds at a time down a path for two days. Yeah. Uh, it's just not interesting. And don't forget, Buddha News, stay zen. Yeah. <laughs> this is the, the plug for the Buddha News. Buddha News, stay zen. Well, I think we're going to take a break. All right. Sounds great. And we're back. Hey, we're back. Great break. Good to be back. I feel well hydrated. <laughs> Did you drink a lot of water on your break? <laughs> well, I watched you drink water. Oh, yeah. It's it's uh, hydration through osmosis? I mean, that is sort of how it works. <laughs> Watching someone else drink? No, but osmosis is a process of hydration <laughs> in your is body. It? Is it? All right, anyway. Um, we have a very quick... Take it or leave it. Oh, look at that. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. So remember, if it's uh, great advice and we agree with it, we'll go. Take it. <laughs> I think we go. Bah, 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 oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can remember what we did. <laughs> did. Did we come up with a theme song? No, for take we it don't or have leave? a theme song. The yeah, theme song It should is... be like, take it or leave it. That's what it. you said last was time. That... <laughs> wow, your brain. Yeah. That was amazing. Apparently, I, <laughs> I had an idea of what the. Okay. So if we like it. You'll hear this sound. Yeah. And if we don't like it, you'll hear this sound. So far, we've always liked them because there's great advice. You usually it. pick pretty good advice. All right. So take it or leave it comes from shot in the mouth. Shot in the mouth. Shot in the mouth. <laughs> I was thinking that. And too. you're too big. But I was also thinking about my root canal where I had to have a. a you had to get a shot in the mouth. Oh, it was so painful. Yeah. Specifically just the anesthesia, like the shot in your mouth hurt more than the actual root canal. There you go. Anyway, shot in the mouth says subverting expectations is great, but subverting your own expectations can be better. In sessions I've run, many of the best moments happen when spontaneously relocating a pre-planned encounter. We had a great example tonight. The party... Uh, was exploring a huge waterfall, and my notes did indicate a dragon behind this waterfall. But a player made an offhand comment about how there's always something behind a waterfall. Two sessions later, there's nothing behind the waterfall. But the players and the sailor friends have built a diving bell and descended to a long and deep underwater tunnel. Realizing that my planned encounters were predictable, I relocated the entire scene at the last moment which fueled creativity for me and my players. As it happens, the only character brave enough and with a high enough constitution to reach the end of this tunnel was a halfling warlock. We ended up in a very Bilbo and Smog moment, which I was excited for. Conversation between the red dragon and the halfling in its lair. 
But the level 11 warlock decided instead to polymorph the slumbering dragon into a chicken, and luck was on her side as she escaped. Anything can happen at any time, but the DM is a in a unique position to ensure that people aren't bored. It's especially powerful when the DM and player understand each other's expectations and can capitalize on that. Ooh, okay. So I will say, in general, I agree with this advice. However, Ooh. there is a tendency for game masters to lean into the idea that everything must be a surprise and must not follow with the predictions of the players. And sometimes what this results in is the players make a prediction, the game master always changes it to something else. And my advice would be that that is also a dangerous endeavor. You both don't want to always follow through with every cliche and every everything that the players may predict because you want to keep things interesting and, and fun. But you also sometimes do. Sometimes the power of the player is the joy in being right. The joy in, in, in having the moment where you're like, oh, but this is some kind of a dragon behind this door. And you open the door, and it's a dragon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the player gets to be like, look, I told you so. Didn't I call it? I called it. As long as they are having that reaction and not, oh, I bet there's a dragon yes. on this. Oh, boring. And, th- and that's where ultimately I agree with the advice, which is keep it interesting for the players. This and is, for yourself. Yeah. You know, Adam and I used to talk about the best qualities. Uh, this is Adam Davis from Game to Grow and I. So we used to say that game masters, good game masters have spark. And that stands for spontaneity, playfulness, attunement, restraint, and knowledge. And the, the, one, the, the particular point that I want to make here is this idea of attunement. Attunement means that you are paying close attention to what the players, how they're reacting to things. It is about... Being able to read, are they having a good time? Do they seem bored? Are they disengaged? And I'll be honest, sometimes you're wrong. You know, someone might be looking at their phone a lot, and that might be because they are um, really engaged in the game, and they're taking notes um, for what's happening in the game. So it is good to check in with your players. It's good to, to, to observe and, and note, you know, what's, what's going on for them. But this kind of intervention is all about that. It's all about being able to read, like, would it be more interesting, more engaging in this moment? For my players to be right or for them to be wrong right? And in a what, surprising way. What Shot in the Mouth has done is has listened to their players and heard, oh, there's always something behind the waterfall. And then they reacted to that situation. Right. So ultimately, I think Shot in the Mouth clearly made the right choice. It was clearly a lot of fun for those players. It was clearly a, a great way to, to subvert those expe- expectations and to make the game feel both more engaging for for them and for the players. And tying in what you were using before. Yes. So it doesn't have to go on like, oh, n- now it's on a completely different path and it's completely dis- derailed your your whole campaign. No, you just moved things around a little bit and made it um, slightly more interesting for you uh, and for the players to, to come to the same place that you originally wanted them. So I totally agree from all those sides. I think it is great advice. And it's the kind of advice that I always want to kind of say, um, it depends. You want to say yes and. Yes and, yeah. I, I want to say, or yes but. Um, I want to yes, say. Yes but. Yes but. <laughs> Shot in the mouth. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> and, and, and just keep in mind this, this other piece um, because it's easy to get carried away with this kind, of, this kind of advice as well. Okay. So what would you rank it? I will say. Woo! Good advice. Good advice. We'll take it. We'll take it. And you should too. And you should also. Use that spell. 
Use that spell. There we go. There we go. Use that spell. This week is Primal Savagery. Primal Savagery. Have you heard of this one before, Adam? You know, I don't think I have. I always love it when I can find one that you have. <laughs> you can find a spell. Well, that's why I have to go to all these other sources. Yeah, that's fair. So this comes from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. It's a transmutation cantrip. Casting time one action, range of self, components S. <laughs> Just that Just random S, S component. <laughs> S stands for? Uh, somatic. Somatic, thank yeah. you. I still don't remember it. I, whoever's been listening to this podcast from the beginning, I still haven't learned. Somatic um, duration instantaneous. So you channel primal magic to cause your teeth or fingernails, not both apparently, to yeah. sharpen, ready to deliver a corrosive attack. Make a melee spell attack against one creature within five feet of you. On a hit, the target takes 1d10 acid damage. After you make the attack, your teeth or fingernails return to normal. At higher levels, the spell's damage increases by 1d10 when you reach fifth level uh 2d10 level 11th level 3d10 and 17th level 4d10 this is on the druid spell list i have seen this spell (laughs) but i couldn't remember the name it seems really underpowered well it is a cantrip um it's an action cantrip you get to use a melee spell attack to hit um and it's it's a melee move 1d10 damage for a cantrip is pretty good. In fact, that's the same damage as Eldritch Blast. Okay. Um, although, the real reason that Eldritch Blast is so much more powerful than most of the other cantrips is for the invocations that warlocks get to alter Eldritch Blast to make it way, way more powerful. And this uh, is just, my fingernails grew a little extra. Right. Wow. But it is on the high end of damage for, for cantrips. You know, Fire Blast is also um, 1d10 damage. And um, it does scale. With level, right. eventually. I mean, yeah, the same way all, all the cantrips do. Yeah. Um, they all kind of scale the same way. Um, from a from a concept, I am not opposed to this. I think it's as good as any other kind of damage cantrip. Um, I love the flavor of it, um, although I don't particularly like that it has to be acid damage. Um, if I was playing with a druid who wanted to use this and they said, can it just be like a natural claws instead of acid claws or... Or a natural bite instead of a, instead of acid bite, and just piercing damage or slashing damage for those. I would a hundred percent allow allow that change. Why would you not want acid damage? Most well, most of the time, I would assume that the reason they don't want acid damage is for flavor. Um, it's pretty rare that you come across something that's like, oh, this is immune to acid or or something like that. It happens. There's certainly monsters that are immune or vulnerable or, or uh, resistant to acid damage. Um, and there are also good situations where acid damage is great to have, such as with regeneration, um, with trolls, where acid damage and fire damage are paramount in order to be able to defeat a troll um, uh, or a hydra. But ultimately, the the flavor of that wouldn't be my cup of tea, especially as a druid, um, where I might want the natural feel as opposed to the acid feel um, of the of the flavor of this move. So um, ultimately, I'd probably leave that up to the player, but I probably wouldn't let them change that in the moment if, say, something was immune to acid. Or if, say, suddenly they get a um, benefit to anything that they do cold damage on. Right. Hey, I want my I want this to do cold damage. Like, of course you do. Yeah. But no. Yeah, yeah. But if they made that determination like early on, this this fits better with their character. I w- I would totally allow 
even even something as ridiculous as cold damage. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't make any sense that it does acid damage any more than it does cold damage or fire damage or anything. Unless you're so. poison ivy, because poison and ivy would do that with her fingernails. But would do poison damage, which would make a lot more sense here than acid damage would. Ba, 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 da, ba. <laughs> Um, not a lot of plants and animals use acid, mostly because, you know, it would dissolve most plant and animal. It is a bit corrosive. <laughs> yeah. There are certainly animals that have sort of corrosive or toxic properties, um, which maybe you could presume is similar to an acid. If something was toxic, that means that it's irritant to your skin. Maybe it's just that D&D was like, hey, we don't have a lot of things that do acid damage. Let's let's beef it up. Yeah, especially for the druid, right? Um, we want to add in something that, that does some acid damage. Um, I'm all for that. I'm just saying I'd probably allow for that change. Ultimately, probably the biggest problem with this is it's got a range of melee and only hits one target and doesn't do anything other than hit one target for some damage in melee. I mean, it grows your fingernails for one turn. I guess that's kind of real gross. Yeah. It's not like unlike uh, like Sabretooth from the X-Men, though. Yeah. Um, or uh, Lady Deathstrike or something like that. Um, so I guess it's got that going for it. If you rolled a one on this attack, what well, you don't really roll, do you? You roll for damage. But you don't roll for the attack. You do. You roll for you hit. Do. You roll a melee spell attack. Now, the important part of that is... It's not using your strength or your dexterity in the attack roll. So if you were, say, a spellcasting druid instead of a melee druid, um, but you wanted to have a move you could use in melee right next to you, um, maybe you're a shape-shifting druid, and so you haven't prioritized strength or dexterity for your character, but you still want to be able to have a cantrip you can use in the event that somebody closes the gap and you don't have any shape-shifting moves left. This is a great cantrip for that. Okay. Because it uses your wisdom in the attack roll instead of your strength or your dexterity. I was thinking if you roll a one on this attack, you could say your fingernails or your teeth do grow and you go to make your attack and they all break. Yeah. All of the Real extra brittle. sharpness. Yeah, it's super <laughs> brittle. Your nails grew too fast. You didn't eat enough protein and they just they just crumbled. Oh, no. Calcium's too low. <laughs> Drink that milk. Yeah. Um, that could totally be the case. Uh, if you rolled a natural one and hurt yourself with this, it could be like, ow. Uh, oh, ow, I scratched myself. I bit my tongue. <laughs> I bit my tongue. <laughs> Those we are all... really sharp. Oh, man, I hate it when I bite the inside of my cheek. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah, way worse with 1d10 can... acid damage involved. Well, then you can spit acidy blood at them. Ooh, like, uh, like reptile from, from uh, the... Rugrats. <laughs> 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 Rugrats? I'm sorry. I was sorry. thinking Mortal Kombat. But... I was thinking of Reptar. Yeah, you know, that's fine too. <laughs> um, okay, we can wrap this up. All right, we'll wrap this up. Uh, I think it's a good spell. It's it's a cantrip. Uh, I think it's as good as any other cantrip. Yeah. For the most part. Primal Savagery. There you go. Hey, thanks for wasting another amount of time with us. Hey, we you love ya. <laughs> we love you so much because if you didn't listen to this, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that wouldn't, or, or we probably still would actually. <laughs> but it would be way less interesting to us. It's talking into the void is yeah. what it is. Um, so you can go to nextsessionpodcast.com if you would like to submit a question. You can also find us on Facebook at The Next Session. Or... And on Instagram at Next Session Podcast. So I'm Adam Johns. And I'm Alyssa Johns. Tune in next time and we'll help you prep for your next session. Goodbye.